Welcome to Triller Talk. This podcast is dedicated to topics that we think are important to the profession of medical writing. Our goal is to bring topical issues to the forefront and hopefully spark conversation in a wider domain around these issues. I'm Lisa Chamberlain-James. I'm one of the senior partners at Trilogy. And as regular listeners will know, I have a special interest in writing in plain language. And I head Trilogy's plain language group. I'm here today with Dan Wills from the Patient Information Forum. And I know Dan because he has been expertly guiding Trilogy through the PIFTIC accreditation process, which I'm delighted to say we were awarded last week, but we'll tell you more about the PIFTIC later. So welcome, Dan. It's fantastic to have you with us today. Why don't you start by telling us a little bit about the Patient Information Forum and PIFTIC in particular? Uh, thanks, Lisa. So uh, the Patient Information Forum has been going for around 25 years now. Uh, we are currently a non-profit organisation, but we're looking to get charitable status by the end of this year. Um, the PIFTIC scheme itself is a scheme that's been created to look at the, the quality of different health information and make sure that there's an easy way for members of the general public and healthcare professionals to highlight trusted health information. Uh, what we try to do is to make the scheme kind of work on a good practice basis. Uh, so we have various different levels within the PIFTIC and it's all about kind of doing good practice and educating people to get to kind of the desirable levels and create gold standard uh, good quality information, really. That sounds fantastic. And good luck with the charitable status. That's great news. I hope that that comes through for you soon. So why was the PIFTIC Trusted Mark um, created in the first place? What, what do you really want it to do? So um, the PIFTIC scheme was created to fill a void that was left by the previous NHS England's information standard. The information standard was very much written for auditors, by auditors, for very large kind of health providers. So mainly sort of NHS trusts and Macmillan's and large organisations like that. Um, when that scheme closed its doors and stopped being an assessed scheme, there was kind of a void left. And particularly with smaller organisations that maybe were producing some really good health information for patients that could never really get to what the information standard wanted them to do. So what the PIFTIC has kind of tried to do is create a scheme that works from the bottom up, if you like. We've looked at what's really important to make good quality health information and try to drive out some of the, the kind of the dubious health information that the one person sat at home thinking they understand their condition with no medical background and kind of work up towards what would help these organisations to make consistent, up-to-date, relevant information. And it's really important that members of the public and patients can see how information was created, that there's some key elements to, regardless of the size of your organisation, the things that you should do when producing information and that it's clear to your users how that information has been created. So that's really the kind of the main purpose is to make a consistent way of producing information, but make it accessible for all sizes of organisations, not just those large ones that are producing information and to support 
smaller non-profit organizations get the recognition really for the work that they've been doing and creating good quality information. I love the fact that any size of, inf- of organization can apply to PIF to have this accreditation um, and any organization can do it as well. Um, I know when when Trilogy first applied to you and we you and I had that first conversation, I wasn't sure if we were the kind of you know organization that you would consider for accreditation, if it was only for the big organizations or the big charities or if anyone could show you the kind of information that we're producing and 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 have that accreditation, which I think is so important for, for the general public and for healthcare professionals, because trust is such a big thing. And there's a, so much information out there in, on health and around medicines and diseases. And a lot of it is questionable at best. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I'm trying to be kind, uh, but everybody <laughs> knows what I'm talking about. Uh, we saw that through the COVID, uh, the pandemic was, came, really came to the fore. So I really think trust is, is really important. And that's why I was interested in talking to you about getting the accreditation, because I think it's so important for the general public to have an independent arbiter of whether the information that they're seeing is really they can trust it, whether it's really unbiased. It's not you know, being promotional in any way. So I think that that's that's absolutely crucial, which kind of leads me on to my next question. So why don't you tell us a little bit about the patient information forum itself, because it was it's been doing such fantastic work, but it would be great for people to more, know more about it, I think. Yeah, so the Patient Information Forum historically have been a membership organisation where we get anybody that's really interested in patient information from uh, healthcare professionals, from GPs to organisations that produce patient information. Some of it's around sort of patient data. Uh, We got these organisations together to kind of talk about what are the real issues that they're facing on a day to day basis. We look at producing guidance to help people that are struggling with producing things or understanding different guidance and things that are out there. So we've spent a lot of time historically producing um, guides around health literacy, writing accessible information. We do training schemes Uh, around writing in plain English. What does that mean for different people? We've got guidance on how to measure the impact of your information. And the beauty of a lot of the things that we do are because we work with smaller organisations, we really understand the challenges that they have. So some of the things that, you know, people have struggled with for years around how do I evaluate the information that I produce? You might be working for an organisation that doesn't have that direct link to patients and you can't say to them, you know, after you've handed them a booklet, what lifestyle changes did you make? How did it impact on your life and your day to day living? There are still things that you can do that shows this piece of information is really making a difference. This piece of information may not quite be doing what you wanted it to do and how you can tweak those things. So that's some, some of the stuff that we've done historically. And that all feeds into the PIF tick scheme that we launched a couple of years ago, just before we went into the pandemic, which is a real challenge in time, but also a real benefit, we think, because misinformation was so prevalent during COVID, as you kind of alluded to a second ago. Oh, yes. um, so, you know, that was kind of where PIF has come from and why we decided to do the, the tick. And, and this year is, is our 25th year. And we're really kind of celebrating and looking not just back at what we've done, with you know patient information and how we feel we've helped people evolve and you know developing the guidance developing the training the PIF scheme but also looking forward to 
What do we want to do with it? Where can we go? And we're, we're doing all sorts of different things and, and partnering with different organisations around, you know, what are their challenges? And information today is very different than information was five years ago, let alone 25 years ago. Absolutely. So it's, we're always looking at, you know, different ways of involving different organisations. So it was it was lovely that, you know, organisations like yours that wouldn't normally fit into that kind of the old information standard. Do you produce a booklet? Uh, yeah. from start to finish and therefore you get it it's about actually there are lots of different ways that people interact with patient information you know organizations like yours produce it for others support others to do it could create different ways of doing it you know video animation all of that kind of stuff so it really is important for, for us to get involved as much as we can with producers of information with people using patient information to understand those needs and help them develop it in the best way possible really Absolutely, I couldn't agree more. And uh, you mentioned the guidances that that PIF have produced, and they're they're freely available on your website, aren't they? Um, I would certainly urge any any listeners, uh, any medical writers struggling with uh, writing or even involved in writing for the general public to look at those guidances. I I spent a lot of time teaching medical writers to write in plain language for the general public. And I looked at the the guidances that when I start, we first started talking, I looked at the guidances and they really are excellent. There's some really nicely distilled, it's my pleasure, um, nicely distilled information. Uh, they really are a really good resource for medical writers and anybody involved in writing for the public. So, uh, yeah, I'd urge you listeners go and have a look at the PIF guidances on the PIF website. Uh, as I say, they're freely available and they really are a great resource. So for the PIF tick. Dan, can anybody join the PIFTIC? Can anybody apply to? Do you have any restrictions at all? Yeah, no, it's it's open to anybody that gets involved in patient information. So that's NHS organisations, charities, volunteers, private sector. Um, and it really is about that involvement with it. So you may feel that, you know, we don't create a great deal. We more signpost to others. It's still worth having that chat with me because there's lots of work we do with those kind of organisations. So uh, we just started working with TRIP database, which historically have been kind of used as the evidence source. So a lot of charities, NHS organisations go to them to find the kind of the raw medical data and look at the latest medical journals or clinical research that's out there. And they want to start producing more patient facing information, but they know they're not going to produce a great amount. What they're going to do is to signpost. So we're working with them to encourage them to understand what good quality looks like. Um, and it really is, you know, as, as open as that, it doesn't matter what level of involvement you have with patient information. You should really understand what the PIFTIC is about and how you can work with it to make sure that regardless of what patients you've got in your interaction, you're giving them the best information, whether that's information you're producing, information that you're signposting to or co-producing with another organisation out there that may already be PIFTIC or may not be. Um, we're quite open to all of those ways. And it's just, you know, guidance for anybody really that wants to produce good quality information. I think that's fantastic. And, you know, as you said, it's all about a signpost that the information that's being produced can be trusted. Yeah. And it's it's all about that word trust, which is so crucial, especially in this area. You know, when you're working in health information, it's absolutely vital that the information that that people receive, they know they can trust it. Um, so when you're assessing in for health information, so 
we sent you some information that the kind of things that we produce how do you assess this this information um for it to be trusted so you think yes i would give this an accreditation this, this company is producing information that can be trusted what are the characteristics that you kind of look for so we start off by making sure that any evidence that you are using is from a reliable trustworthy up-to-date source so again things like the trip database that we spoke about there are loads of other things that are out there like PubMed there are you know clinicians that you can go to but really it's got to come from that evidence base what we find is that you know people that are maybe patient expert patients might have some understanding but it's not to the same level as coming from those evidence-based sources the information really needs to be written in plain language. Um, we can't emphasize this enough. You know, health literacy is a massive issue, um, not just in this country, but worldwide, really. And it's something that, you know, we can all help towards breaking that barrier down, making sure that people can understand our information if we write in plain language. We've seen some medically 100% accurate information, but it was written in such jargon language that nobody's going yeah. to understand it. And that doesn't yeah. help. So we really kind of look for that as well. Um, it's got to be produced by staff that understand what producing information means. Now, that sounds a bit yeah. sort of vague and stuff, but there are lots of elements to producing good quality information. So health literacy is one part. How do you find evidence? How do you reference those evidence? How do you work with users to co-produce information? You know, we can all have an assumption about our target audience, but there's nothing better than actually working with them to produce something, getting their input, understanding exactly what their needs are. So we look at all of that kind of stuff around the need for the information. How did you come to that? How did you involve your users in testing your understanding of that need and the fact that you've actually addressed it in a way that's needed for them? So some people love to have a printed booklet in front of them. Others may speak a foreign language, but not read it. They may need it in a video format. They may need an animation. They may have um, barriers or disabilities to getting access to information. So you really need to understand your users and work with them. And as well as doing all of that when you create it, you've got to keep it up to date. Um, there are some really great resources that we've seen that were created 10, 15 years ago that today are really not worth the paper that they're written on. The world moves on. Like I said yeah. earlier, you know, information five years ago is really out of date now. I mean, the, the pandemic really did move people from print material to digital but that doesn't mean that everybody's moved across. So we've got to look, like I say, about those users and how they're going to interact with that. So we look at all of those kind of elements. And I think one of the key things, like we say, is, is the trust in the information. And people trust different levels of information. Some will want a video. Some will want an animation. Some will want it written. Some want a website. Some want a smartphone app. It's about addressing those needs and making sure that your users are getting what they need, really. Absolutely. And you've mentioned users quite a lot, uh, quite rightly. What do you think are the main benefits for patients and the general public? So the users of this kind of information, the main benefits um, for them of having information that's produced that carries the PIFTIC, what do you think would really, if you were to say to them, this is why PIFTIC is important, what do you think the main benefits for them? Well, I think the trust that we've mentioned, you know, several times is, um, again, going back to the COVID pandemic, there was it was so easy to get 
misinformation or disinformation out there to people. And it was very difficult for users to understand what is good quality and what isn't. How do I differentiate between them? So by having the PIFTIC logo, which is, you know, a pretty simple kind of turquoisey green tick, people kind of associate a tick with some sort of validation. By seeing that, that kind of gives you that confidence that whoever's produced this, I might not know charity A or charity B. They might be quite small. They might deal with a niche condition. It gives you that confidence that actually they've gone through a robust, consistent approach to producing it that I know it's not going to be misleading. And there's key things in there that, you know, we can flag up that say this is what you should look for when you are looking for information. So some of the benefits are we force people to put dates on there. So you as a user can look at it and go, it was produced X amount of years ago. It's going to be reviewed at that time frame. Do I or do I not want to look at it? You know, if it's going to be reviewed in six weeks, I might want to come back in six weeks time and see what's changed. If there aren't things like the dates on there or a way of getting in contact with people, how do you know how it was created? How do you know how long ago it was done? So it's those kind of things. And I think for end users, it is that confidence that actually I don't need to go and research the organization. I can see it's here. I know that it's gone through a process. If I want to understand that process, I can go and understand it. I don't really need to look any further. And it will deter a lot of those mis and disinformation things that are out there. I think the other benefit is going back to that involving users and kind of things like that is that patients are going to actually understand it. There was a lot of, you know, completely accurate COVID information out there, but people couldn't understand it, you know, Um, and it moved so quickly. You just got your head around one thing and what's happening now with the way that we educate people to get through the PIF tick, you know that when you start to read it, you're going to understand it. And I think one of the big barriers that we've seen with mis and disinformation is Medical information can be difficult to describe to people. And a lot of clinicians write in a way that the general person on the street is not going to understand. Somebody that's creating myths or disinformation is very good at writing in a way that you're going to understand. And we need to, to bridge that gap and stop it so that the medical information is as easy to understand as the myth and disinformation. And then we can push that mis and disinformation out of the way. So I think that's really the, the benefits for the, the patients. That's such an important point and a huge benefit to the whole of the general population, actually. And and I was going to mention that um, I know when you're on the PIF website, you have a downloadable guideline. Uh, I think it's called Finding Trusted Health Information. Yes. And I know it's it's an excellent guideline. I know that you're aiming that probably at the general public and patients. But actually, for my medical writing listeners, uh, I would really point you towards that as well, because sometimes when you're starting off trying to write for patients in a particular patient area, you know, you go on Google, you'll see what information is out there because you can't always get the information you need straight from journal papers. And it's really important to know the information that you are perhaps quoting uh, and referencing is really trusted. You can trust it, that it's the right kind of information, that it's accurate. So I think even for medical writers starting out writing in this area, it would be good for them to have a look at that guideline. I think that's it's a really, really useful resource. Absolutely. And and I think the the beauty of things like that is, yes, you're right, we've designed it for members of the public. But like you say, it's useful to anybody. And we're fully aware that the PIFTIC is a new scheme. Not everybody's going to have it yet. Not everybody's going to be able to get it. But there are things in that document that 
you know, anybody can look for that says, oh, that's on that piece of information. That gives me that bit more confidence that it's there. Oh, that's also on there. And you can build that up. And that is, you know, healthcare professionals or members of the general public. It's about building up that trust in the information. And there are certain things that you can look for, whether you are PIF-ticked or not. Um, there are key things that anybody should be putting on that patient information so that you can see it's trustworthy. Yeah, I think trust is definitely the keyword for today and the keyword in general when you're writing in plain language and for patients and the general public. It absolutely should be. So I would encourage everybody to go and have a look at the PIF website, even if your corporation, your organisation is, is not going to be applying for the TIC accreditation. There are so many good resources for medical writers on the PIF website. So definitely I would encourage everybody to go and have a look, check it out. It's all free. There's some great resources on there. So thanks so much, Dan. This has been a really great discussion about PIF and all things plain language, which, as everybody knows, I can talk about until I literally go blue in the face. But I'm not going to today because we do have a time limit, unfortunately. And thank you all for listening to Trilla Talk today. If you enjoyed it, please do come back, listen to us again. There are regular PIF um Piff, piff talks, regular thriller talks that are going to be up there on the podcast. If you have feedback on these or any of our sessions, we would love to hear it. And in addition, if you have ideas for future topics you would like us to cover, particularly something you think that the community should be talking about, please let us know. We'd like this to be an ongoing conversation with medical writers and the whole community at large. And you can send us comments on our Twitter feed or on our LinkedIn page. Just a reminder, you can find all episodes of the Trailer Talk podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and at www.trilogywriting.com forward slash Trilla Talk. Thanks so much to Dan and to everybody else and have a good rest of your day. Thank you. So thank you for listening to Trilla Talk today. If you enjoyed it, please come back and listen to us again. If you have feedback on this or any of our sessions, we would love to hear it. In addition, if you have ideas for future topics that you'd like us to cover, particularly something you think the community should be talking about, let us know. We would like this to be an ongoing conversation with medical writers at large. And you can send us comments on our Twitter feed or on our LinkedIn page. Just a reminder, you can find all our episodes of the Trilla Talk podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and TrilogyWriting.com backslash Trillotalk. Have a good rest of your day.